Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the gifts for Rebecca as we pick up in Genesis chapter 24, verse 51. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Behold, Rebecca is before thee. Take her and go, and let her be thy master's son's wife, as the Lord hath spoken. And it came to pass that when Abraham's servant heard their words, he worshiped the Lord, bowing himself to the earth. And the servant brought forth jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment and gave them to Rebekah. And he gave also to her brother and to her mother precious things. And they did eat and drink, he and the men that were with him, and they tarried all night. And they rose up in the morning, and he said, Send me away unto my master. Now notice, as soon as as the arrangement was made, then he came forth with gifts. As soon as Rebekah was committed, then he brought forth the gifts of gold and silver and beautiful raiment and all, began to just... Load her down with gifts. As soon as we have committed our lives to belong to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit begins to give to us the glorious gifts of the Spirit. Begins to just give unto us the gifts of peace and joy and love, gifts of power. He begins to really work in a special way within us. So in the morning, he said, send me, I pray, back to my master. But her brother and mother objected, and they said, oh, wait a minute, that's so fast. Let the girl abide with us for a few days, at the least ten. After that, she shall go. And he said unto them, don't hinder me, seeing the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, we will call the girl and inquire at her mouth. And so they called Rebekah and they said unto her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. Now it became Rebekah's decision. He is wanting to go right away in order that he might hurry back with the good news that his journey has been prosperous and successful. Her mother and brother naturally are objecting. They are willing to give her, but, oh, they wanted to spend at least a few last days with her because they know that they'll probably never see her again. And and the servant is insisting, no, I want to go now. Well, let's ask her, will you go with the man? And the beautiful response, I will go. Even as we must, by choice, And we must exercise that choice to be a part of the family of God. So the exercise of Rebekah's own choice. And they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse. So evidently they were wealthy too, for she had her own private maid. And Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said unto her, Thou art our sister, be thou the mother of thousands of millions. Oh, boy, they wanted to be the mother of a billion people. And let thy seed possess the gate of those which hate them. And Rebekah arose and her damsels, plural, 
And they rode upon the camels and followed the man, and the servant took Rebekah and went his way. And Isaac came from the way of the well, Lahiroi. Now you remember Lahiroi means the well of him that lives and sees. It was at this well that uh, Hagar was weeping. Uh, she didn't see the well, and, and Ishmael was dying from dehydration. She put him under a bush and, and went over a ways because she didn't want to see him die. And, and she was crying out to the Lord, and Ishmael was under the bush crying out to God and praying. And the Lord said, what ails you? And she said, ah, you know, I'm dying, and I don't want to see my son die and all. And the Lord said, here, behold, there's a well of water. And so she went over and got the water and gave him a drink, and he was refreshed and revived. Well, she called the name of the well, the Lord sees me. So now... Isaac is, is taken up residence near this particular well. And this well comes into the story a couple more times as we find that it is the area where Isaac had moved. Isaac came from the way of the well, Lahiroi, for he dwelt in the south country. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field at eventide. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. Now, it is interesting that there is much spoken to us concerning the faith of Abraham. Very little is spoken to us concerning the faith of Isaac or concerning the relationship of Isaac to God. That is, directly. But here is an indication of the, of the spiritual kind of a depth that Isaac had, meditating in the evening. I have found that one of the greatest places to meditate is in the evening time. I love it about the time of twilight, sun just going down in the twilight time. It seems like it's just a neat time. If you're out in the desert or... When I was just a little guy, we used to live near the beach. And one of my favorite things is it was to just go down there and sit in the sand all by myself, watch the sunset and, and the seagulls and the sandpipers and, and just to meditate upon God and the greatness of God. And, and, and it was just a, a childhood memory that really lingers. It's just a beautiful experience. Meditation at evening time. And so here is Isaac engaged in meditation at evening time. And he looked up, and behold, he saw the camels coming. All right. Now, at this point, he doesn't know if Eliezer or if the servant has been successful or not. And Rebekah lifted up her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she lighted off the camel, for she had said to her servant, Who is this man walking in the field to meet us? And the servant said, It is my master. Therefore she took a veil and covered herself. And the servant told Isaac all of the things that he had done. And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Then in chapter 25, we find that Abraham, after Sarah's death, took another wife. Her name was Keturah. The name means mother of us all. 
And she bare him Zimram, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, Shua, and Jokshan begat Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Esherim and Latushim and Leumim. And the sons of Midian, Ephah and Ephah and so forth, and the names mean nothing to us and probably never will. Uh, <laughs> as I told you so often, it'll follow a line just for a generation or two and drop them. That's the end of it because this line has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. It, it'll follow it for a generation or so. Pop, that's it. Whatever happened to them, where they went, who they became, nobody knows. It's just, they're not significant to the story. The story is about Jesus Christ. Back here in Genesis, the story is about Jesus Christ. And we're going to come on down the line that's going to lead us to Jesus Christ. We're going to let the others go. We might follow them for a generation or two, but we're going to let them go. They're not important. The whole story centers around the person of Jesus Christ. We say history. What is history? It is his story. The story of Jesus. That's what history is all about. And so that's what this record is all about. It's all about Jesus. And it's only going to center in the one person, Jesus. It'll, it'll let the others go. Go quickly. We'll have a name or two thrown in, and then that's the end of it. We're going to let them go because we want to center in. We want to concentrate on the central person of history. So follow out the rest of Abraham's children for just a ways. And Abraham... This is the important one. Verse 5. Gave all that he had unto Isaac. Isaac's the son of promise. All that he had went to Isaac. But unto the sons of the concubines, which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts. Gave gifts to them, but everything that he had went to Isaac. And he sent them away from Isaac his son while he yet lived, eastward to the east country. So he gave gifts to them, sent them away. Isaac is the one in whom the story is going to center because Isaac comes in the line that's going to bring us to Jesus Christ. Now these are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived 175 years. Then Abraham gave up the ghost, or his spirit, literally, and died in a good old age, an old man full of years, and he was gathered to his people. 175 years old, and Abraham died. That is, he gave up his spirit. In reality, what happened is that his spirit moved out of this old tent because this old tent just couldn't manage it anymore. It was worn out. Once a tent is worn out and has no more value, doesn't keep out the rain or wind, rips, and, and it just constantly needs patching and repairing, it's time to move out of the tent. And so Abraham moved out of his tent. Now, this was before Jesus Christ made access into heaven. So Abraham did not go into heaven but he went into the grave, into Hades, where he became the master comforter of all of those who went into Hades waiting for the promise of God. 
So in the 16th chapter of Luke, we find Abraham in Hades comforting Lazarus. And we find the rich man talking to Abraham and Abraham responding to him. Now, when Jesus died, before he ascended into heaven, he first of all descended into the lower parts of the earth and he preached to those souls that were in prison. The spirits, Abraham's spirit down there in prison. Jesus preached to him and to all of those who with Abraham were waiting for the promise of God, the Messiah, to come. And so the prophecy of Isaiah concerning Jesus Christ is that he would open the prison doors to those that were bound. That's the prison doors of death where these people were bound. And he opened the doors so that when he ascended, he led the captives from their captivity. So that now as a child of God, when my spirit leaves this tent, because of the way that Jesus Christ has made for me, when my spirit leaves this tent, it's going into a new house that is not made with hands, a building of God eternal in the heavens. I'm moving out of this old tent into a new house that the Lord said he had gone to prepare for me. For he said, in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you. He's preparing me a new body. It is a building of God. It's not made with hands. It's eternal. This one is temporary. It'll never see the number of years that Abraham's body saw. That would be, the, that would be to me, the worst thing that could ever happen to me it would be to live to 175. <laughs> In fact, I don't want to even see the 75. If God so wills it, fine, but I, I don't think I'll ever see it. Because... As this tent wears out, the Lord's already prepared a new building for my spirit, a new house, not a tent anymore. I'm getting sort of tired of the tent. The tent's getting sort of tired, too. <laughs> tent's good for a while, but after a while, you, you begin to realize that they're just not the conveniences in a tent that you'd like to have. You get longing to move into a house. One of these days, I'm going to move into a brand new house, a building of God, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's why Paul said, we who are in this body do often groan, earnestly desiring to move out, not that we would be unembodied spirits, but that we might be clothed upon with a body which is from heaven. For we know that as long as we're in this body, in this tent, we are absent from the Lord, but we would choose rather to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. One day, Abraham gave up the ghost, or his spirit left his body after dwelling in it for 175 years. Oof. Good old age, an old man, full. And he was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael, notice they are joined together now. For, you know, there was that animosity that existed between them. But it seems that at least at their father's death, they were brought together. And at their father's death, they joined together. Ishmael is still there. 
uh, and they buried Abraham in that cave at Machpelah, the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, which is there before Mamre, that field which Abraham purchased. Now these are the generations of Ishmael, and so we'll follow Ishmael for just, you know, a little ways, and then we're going to drop him because Ishmael isn't important to the story. And so he gives us the names of Ishmael's descendants, and they are no more important to you as are the descendants of uh, Abraham's concubines. And so I'm not going to wrestle with those names. You can wrestle with them if you want. Verse 16, it says, And these are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names, by their towns and their castles, twelve princes according to their nations. And these are the years of the life of Ishmael. He lived to be 137 years. And he gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people. And they dwelt from Havilah to Shur, and that is before Egypt as you go towards Assyria. And he died in the presence of all of his brothers. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Now we come to the one that's important, the one we will follow. Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian, of Pandanarim, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Now, uh, he married her, but yet she was unable to bear children. And so Isaac prayed for her that God would heal and allow her to bear children. It is interesting how many children we have running around Calvary Chapel that our answers to prayer. Couples that could not have children who came to the elders and were prayed for and, and God blessed them. And now we have so many little children running around here that are really just true answers to prayer. They're little miracle babies that God has given. And it is scriptural. Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife. And the Lord was entreated of him and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. Man, they, there was just all kinds of, she was pregnant. But man, it was, it was more than just a baby kicking or moving. There's a real fight going on in there. <laughs> and this fight was to continue after they were born. How much consciousness does a child have in the womb? We really don't know because we can't remember. How much consciousness did you have during the first year out of the womb? You really don't know. You can't remember. Now, that a child is conscious out of the womb, I have no doubt. For out of the womb, during the first year, a child is capable of expressing feelings of contentment, happiness, anger, being upset. And yet none of you can remember that first year of your life outside of the womb. The fact that you can't remember it doesn't mean that you didn't have feelings. So we have no proof at all that a child doesn't have emotions and feelings within the womb. 
Maybe some of those movements that you feel are those of anger. The little kid gets mad at the position. He kicks you, you know. Tired of this position. We don't know what feelings they may have prenatally. Now, it is quite possible that these two little guys in the womb were angry with each other and were going at it. They were struggling in her womb. And when they were born, as soon as they were born, the one little guy reached out and grabbed the other guy's heels, still struggling with him. Fight's still going on. And it really never did stop. So she was concerned with all of this movement. And so she prayed about it. Lord, what's going on? And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in your womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from their birth or from your bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the young. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 24 through 25 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. May you be strengthened by his spirit in your inner man. And may you comprehend more and more what is the length and the depth and the height and the breadth of God's great love for you. May you be filled with that love. May you overflow with that love. God be with you. And may he use you as his instrument to show his love to this needy world. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. God is looking for someone that he can use to accomplish his purposes on this earth. The apostles were more than willing to be used by the Lord. So what was it that gave them the certain spiritual characteristics necessary to be used by God and to be a powerful, godly influence to change the world? 
Well, in a book entitled The Man God Uses, Pastor Chuck Smith brings the scriptures to life as he examines the book of Acts. He reveals the secret to the apostles' boldness, the five essential components of prayer, and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever wanted to accomplish more for the kingdom of God and to be an instrument that he can use, then I encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Man God Uses. To order a copy of this book in print or download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call the word for today at 800-272-9673.